Welcome to Harmony Talk, a podcast about dreamers and doers. Join our conversations with people from all walks of life, authors, artists, entrepreneurs, inventors, people who've lived their dreams through and want to talk about it with us. Hi, I'm your host, Lisa Shampo. Today, my guest is Rebecca Davis, founder of Mind Leaps, a nonprofit program that uses dance as a tool to raise young people out of poverty and off the streets in countries like Rwanda and Mauritania and Guinea and previously in Bosnia-Herzegovina. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you so much for the chance to be here and share my story. I love the title Dreamers and Doers. Okay, thank you. And this is certainly a dream that you have made come true. First, just for listeners who may not know about Mind Leaps, explain to us how you use dance. I mean, you're not training the next Alvin Ailey, although I'm sure some of the dancers are really fantastic. So how do you use dance? What's it all about? Oh, thanks for the question. Um, This is one of the things that we love to explain the most about Mind Leaps, exactly because of what you say. I think a lot of times the goal of the arts becomes the stage or the performance or that moment of fame. And that is such a valid and such an important goal, but it's not the goal that Mind Leaps has. What we're really interested in is, is how can dance and the arts in general be used as tools that change the way we think about ourselves and our relationships and our communities? And there's such a power in dance in the way to do that, because dance, like sports, is challenging yourself to the next level but it also requires you to work with other people. And in that kind of an environment, you all of a sudden create something where there's implicit equality, which as we know is not so easy to find in the world today. But everybody has that same challenge. Everybody's gonna try to put up their arms. Everybody's gonna try to do that jump. There's nothing that makes one person able to do it and not another person. You were educated, you weren't educated, you speak the language, you speak a different language. Everybody is equal in our chance to thrive. And when we start with that premise and we use dance, we can start to create all of these other social emotional skills that are the tools that we actually need to succeed in life, no matter what that path might be. So the young people are learning to dance. There's a lot of equality involved, obviously, and there's a lot of memorization and things of that nature. So what is the next level they go to? How do they move up. And I don't mean leaping off the ground. They do that really well. I'm pretty sure we're not responsible for the quality of the leaping itself, (laughs) (laughs) but we are responsible for developing um, seven particular skills on the cognitive side and the social emotional side. On the cognitive side, we look at memorization and language comprehension. On the social emotional side, we're looking at grit, discipline, teamwork, creativity, and self-esteem. So the class is structured that there's particular movement patterns that have been researched and we've had the joy of working with all sorts of different groups of people to develop this. And when those movement patterns are repeated with a certain kind of pedagogy behind it, you can really actually measurably increase those skills. When you see those skills start to kind of make like an S curve, like they increase and then they kind of plateau, Mind Leaps has basically done what Mind Leaps can do. We can do that jump up of our social emotional learning. After that, our responsibility is to make sure that these youth have a next step in life. That might be going to formal education, that might be getting a small job, that might be enough to make the child stable and able to make positive life decisions. So you're actually tracking this with some kind of technology. 
My links loves data. You know, it, it's an interesting story behind it for exactly what you say. You know, as you can imagine, nobody, it's beyond a dream, right? If you say to someone, actually, we're going into the developing world to teach dance, which will then help solve the problem of poverty. Nobody's going to believe that dream. <laughs> no, I mean, every dream has a bit of unreality about it, but that's a good one. And I would like to backtrack at some point during this conversation to see how you came upon that dream yourself. Well, yes, definitely. Um, happy to share that part of the path. So for us, although we knew we needed to prove that the intervention would work for funding reasons and, and really to get community and government buy-in, what's been so interesting for us and why I really see that we love data is that actually in building these tools and learning how you can actually measure the impact of whatever you do, in this case, it's this dance program, it really creates an ability to make sure that you're always doing what you think you're supposed to be doing. Well, that makes sense. Like in the developing world, we have to be so sure that not only are we, we not causing harm, even if it was well-intended, but also we can't be benign either. If we're going to you know, really organize these systems and build communities, we have to be sure that it's actually positive, that it's actually working and it will continue to work. So the data has been a way for us to really track that. And when we're off track, change it. And when we're on track, really know that we have to, to push forward because we are doing positive things. So let's go back to the human element just for a minute. So you've got a bunch of kids, they're learning to dance, and some of them are actually meeting those goals that you set. Where do they go from there? So Mind Leaps has two next steps. So in some of our programs, we sponsor the children to go back into school. These are children that never went to school before the Mind Leaps Dance program, or they had dropped out. So then we have a sponsorship program to make sure that when those children then have the, the mental wherewithal to be able to succeed in formal education, that a lack of resources doesn't prevent that next step. In other communities where we work, the cost or access to education is not really the problem. The issue, you alluded to, to our work in the Balkans, the issue is really that youth don't have the strength of foresight to really reach out on their own to take advantage of educational systems or services or jobs that are already there for them. And it, that mindset has to change for them to be able to say, yes, I want to do that. And in that case, it's really just making sure that those youth are aware of those opportunities that are already there for them. So encouraging them. I bet you have a lot of success stories. Some heartbreak too, I'm sure. Absolutely. Uh, we're lucky that I guess it racks up higher on the success side than the heartbreak side. But stories align on both sides, as you say. I mean, I think on the success side, I mean, every day running Mind Leaps, I, I have the luxury really of being able to see how a child has changed. And that's been something that's just been eternally motivating. But I think what's happened as Mind Leaps has grown is that we've seen communities start to change, which is really kind of like a different level of seeing impact. In Mauritania, which is one of the places where we work in West Africa, I mean, it's a stereotype, but we've found truth in it that really there's not a sense that girls should go to school, could go to school, will go to school, <laughs> like pick your verb. <laughs> And now in the successive cohorts we've had of, of these young girls coming and taking this dance program and then going into formal education, exactly as you had referenced, three generations into it or kind of three successive classes of, of kids going through it. 
has really changed what it's like to recruit for that program. Now girls just come and line up and, and fathers just bring their daughters to the, to the intake. You're benefiting from your own success to some degree. It's not such a benefit back onto my leaves. It's, it's a benefit for this community to recognize that girls' education is going to fundamentally change what's possible in terms of wealth, opportunity, everything for the entire community. You know, it's not girls' rights. It's actually this helps humanity when everybody goes to school. And now everybody sees that. It's not really anyone within Mind Leaps advocating for that. Another place where we see the, the community change starting to take hold is in North Macedonia, which is where we're working now in the Balkans. And this has been a community, particularly where we work, where it has the, the highest number of foreign fighters in the region, which basically means the most people have left from that community to join ISIS. The situation now on the ground, these people are coming back into the community. But, you know, that reintegration process, I mean, you can just imagine, it's just not a simple feat. Well, how did you choose Macedonia as a place to go to? For North Macedonia, the U.S. Embassy actually approached Mindleaps um, based on the work that we had done in Bosnia and Herzegovina and in Rwanda, where you can really see the impact of Mindleaps on reconciling communities. They asked if we would try in North Macedonia. And we're still early on, but you can start to see these bonds forming between extremists and locals and recognizing that actually... Yes, divisions existed, but divisions can also be erased. I hope so. Of course, you're affecting a, a young population. That's the future, which is great. So we're going to backtrack for a second and talk about your dream. Were you always interested in social change? I mean, you're a ballet dancer. <laughs> oh, the honest answer is yes and no. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I can just see the first time you came back from Rwanda and said, uh, I think I'd like to start a dance program to educate students, get them in school. People probably said, what are you talking about? <laughs> how did that happen? How did you become an activist for social change? The surprise of my life is how I ended up doing it, I think, outside of Canada or outside of the United States. Growing up, I had always loved going to school. I was like totally nerdy and geeky, loved social studies, loved history, loved literature. And I loved ballet. I loved going to ballet class after school and learning how to move my body. You know, as I was getting to the end of my secondary school education, I was just so frustrated that these things live in two different universes. You go to school and you're asked to sit still, not talk, be quiet and learn with your brain. <laughs> and then you go to the dance studio and you're asked to turn off your brain, try to look beautiful, use your body. And I was like, isn't it possible for us to do our body and our brain at the same time? <laughs> to integrate those. <laughs> What's wrong with these people? Come on. <laughs> we could be so much more efficient as a society if we did those things at the same time. <laughs> so I really, really wanted, like, I was very interested in social change as it pertained to academics. I wanted these stories of history and literature to be told on the stage. I wanted us to use bodies and creativity and the arts to talk about these things. So that eventually led me to decide I wanted to run a dance company where I could be a choreographer. And as a choreographer, then you have a voice, right? So you choose what themes you create work on. Stories to tell. Exactly, exactly that. You know, so, but then like you realize, oh my gosh, I'm 18 years old. Like I have no idea how to run a dance company. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you had some mentors or something. <laughs> well, 
I was lucky enough to listen to someone say, you know, if you don't know how to do something, you should go to school for it. So I decided to go to business school and study entrepreneurship. <laughs> Although I was definitely the outcast in the class talking about my dance company when everyone else was talking about Wall Street. <laughs> right. <laughs> And from that education, which was just absolutely pivotal and fundamental, um, I was able to secure the Fulbright Scholarship and traveled to, to Russia to study classical ballet and choreography. And the Fulbright training in Russia around choreography really helped me solidify how does social change and dance work together by studying that methodology and that pedagogy. And then I started a dance company. And to your first part of the introduction, I was living out my dream. That's, you know, what I was planning to do for the rest of my life. And one of these pieces that we wanted to do on social change, we chose the topic of the genocide in Darfur. At that time, Sudan was still one country, hadn't separated into Sudan and South Sudan. A ballet about Darfur. Exactly. Yeah. So we created a dance production about the genocide in Darfur. And that was really the turning point in my life. You probably had to read a lot about Darfur and, and Sudan and so on. And just working that into a ballet, i that's intense. Exactly, Lisa. I mean, this intense, you know, it was such an emotional journey. And then as we were performing this work, you know, we were doing what my dream was. People were coming up to us and saying, you know, how do we get involved? How do we help end this? How do we help the people of Darfur? And then my, my ignorance, my naivety, when I was like... I don't know. <laughs> I don't have, <laughs> I just know that we should do something. But you took on that responsibility, which is amazing. I mean, you were a choreographer. You weren't a head of a government or an NGO. Or... And so after that experience, I decided to, to learn what it would be like to be in a post-genocide environment. And that's what took me to Rwanda. I negotiated heavily with my mom to get access to permission, I guess I should say, to go to Darfur, and I lost. So so you went to Rwanda instead? I went to Rwanda. <laughs> and in Rwanda, here I go, you know, planning to get all my social action answers. Okay, well, you know, if you want to help Darfur, you're going to do one, two, three, four, five, because that's what they told me in Rwanda. And when I was in Rwanda, I was like, wow, I don't think I'm ever going to understand really what genocide means. But somehow you saw dance as a way in or as a, a way out, I guess, but somehow related to the problem. Exactly. The answers I, I wanted to find there, instead I found different questions. And I saw what we're trained to do at my dance company is to use dance as a tool to change the way people think. And the people that have the chance to change are here. They're in Rwanda. And they're in Bosnia-Herzegovina, and they're in Guinea, and they're in Mauritania. So why are we so busy doing this on stages, in audiences where people pay for tickets? Why aren't we using that same power for the direct communities? Sounds like you're encouraging some other ballet companies to, to step up. <laughs> well, Misty Copeland called it an honor and a privilege to work with you, Rebecca. Here's what she had to say. Today, I got to witness the girls' program. Um, it's such an honor and a privilege to witness something that I know is changing their lives, maybe in ways they're not even aware of yet. But just to see how much dance can change and help your brain growth and how you communicate with others, and I just think it's so incredibly special. And to see the dedication and commitment, it's so beautiful to witness. What kinds of dance do these young people, are you actually choreographing dances for them? 
And it's not just ballet, right? It's probably, I don't know, modern jazz, hip hop. You got it spot on, Lisa. <laughs> you must be a mind <laughs> <league> student. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I do encourage people to look at your website, though, and the videos that are there of the young dancers. I mean, it is amazing. And, and yes, they do leap two, three feet off the ground, which properly played into the naming of your group, Mind Leaps, because it's a great name. It's a wonderful name. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's all of those pieces. I mean, yes, of course, you you referenced Misty. I mean, she's just been a, such an incredible ambassador for us. And gosh, I mean, the Mind Leaps family just has such admiration and respect for someone like her who goes on the ground and spends time with these children, listening to them, learning from them, sharing her talent and her skills. I mean, talk about a true, true role model. Well, she's part of the evolution of your company. I mean, other people have gotten involved as well, right? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about how it's evolved from, I guess, I don't know, 2005, 2010, when it started. Yeah. Misty actually first heard about Mind Leaps about around this work around Darfur. <laughs> so when that, that journey started, the, you know, the predecessor essentially of Mind Leaps is this dance company that we've been talking about. And that started in 2005. And then it became what is now Mind Leaps in 2014, when we really had, as, as you said, like, you know, you're not just teaching them ballet, like, what exactly do you do? When we had standardized this methodology around these seven particular skills that we measure in a particular way that we teach movement, um, once that pedagogy was set and structured, then we rebranded as Mind Leaps and, and we trained people to do what we do now. It's definitely been a long process and a winding road, but with that guiding light being that movement is a tool to make people think differently. Which is great. Now you're in quite a few countries, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. You're in Mauritania and you just mentioned Macedonia and you're still in Rwanda. Where else? Where else are you going? That's really a large span of the map. Thank you. Um, yeah, so in East Africa, exactly as you said, Rwanda, Uganda, and Kenya, and West Africa, Guinea, and Mauritania, in the Balkans, North Macedonia. And for the question, where are we going next? We're in the very early stages. Hopefully, it won't be the early stages forever. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll move forward. But currently, we're in the early stages of actually looking to seriously pilot a program in the United States. It's really part of this legacy of the story that we're telling here is this tool is now of more use in our country than it has been in previous times. With the situation, the pandemic and children here lacking the social emotional learning skills that previously had been really fostered in, in school and, and stable environments, that's just not the situation now in our country. And if there is a role to play for Mind Leaps in, in how our country can heal and recover, we are excited to take up that challenge. Well, that would be great. I would say that dance, certainly on video, grew a lot during the pandemic. I know you're talking about it in person, but it is amazing how dance took off so much during the pandemic on TikTok, et cetera, et cetera, which I know was far removed from Mind Leaps or its goals, but but it's out there. Oh, we have a TikTok channel, but it's not so impressive. Oh, do you? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of a message do you have for young people who may have pieces of a dream like yours? It might not be about dance, but something else that they're interested in that they love and they would like to use to affect social change, or even if it's in a small community? Yeah. Oh, thanks for the question. I, so many things that I wish people had told me. <laughs> you should not give up on what you love. I mean, first of all, if you know what you love, you're a very lucky person. <laughs> so if you know what you love, hold on to it. And when you hit these obstacles, and when you think, oh, I have to give up on that dream, 
Instead of doing that, ask yourself, what do you need to learn and where can you learn it? The job I have now, there's nothing that should suggest that I would be qualified to do what I do now. Well, you went to business school. And that was why, right? It's like, okay, if I want to get here, I'll need to know how to run an organization. How do I learn that? I go to business school. Well, if I want to be able to be a choreographer and work with like narrative art forms, then I need to go to Russia and learn how to do that where they teach you those skills. Okay, now that we're working internationally, I need to understand international relations. I went back to school to get my master's. Every time that you need to know something to move further, don't give up and say, go learn it. Well, you also just outlined a couple of steps. It's good to actually say, what do I have to do? What are the steps to get to this place or that place? Which dances a lot like that, I think, choreographing the moves from one to the next move. So how do you measure your own success? For us, I think, speaking as an organization, maybe also as an individual, but as an organization, for me, I mean, I guess it goes back to business school. So it's good to know that <laughs> that I learned what I was supposed to learn in business school. I mean, the true test of any entrepreneur, no matter what you're doing, is that when you step away from the organization, not only does it survive, but it thrives without you. Mind Leaps has grown so vast and so deep in the, the way that we work with children it's just so fundamentally important to me that when the time comes for me to leave Mind Leaps, that this mission is carried forward in dignity and earnesty and breadth and depth that we've built. And that will be the success that I'll be proud of if we achieve it. So are we cultivating little Rebecca Davises? Um, please send them my way. <laughs> <laughs> well, you probably do have a lot of people you've met along the road who've been very helpful, I'm sure. The power of Mind Leaps now is really invested in the community leaders. What's interesting about Mind Leaps is the methodology that we've talked about is completely standardized. But the way that it's taught and who it's taught by are, are people who've come through the program from these communities. So when you have all of that community leadership invested in its own people, then you really have, I can say like sustainable teams, but it sounds like a kind of a theory of change and it's more organic than that. You, you have people who are deeply committed to seeing how their own youth will change in subsequent generations, then it builds this kind of sense of team and family that is bigger than even us as an organization collectively. Well, I think that a lot of communities have seen your group's commitment as well, being in so many different communities. And so I definitely, I commend you for that, for putting on your cap and going out into the, the jungle or whatever. We only have a few minutes left, Rebecca. So if people wanted to get in touch with you, perhaps they'd like to donate to your cause. How would they do that? Oh, thanks so much for the question. As you've referenced already, Lisa, um, we have a website, which is mindleaps.org. Sometimes people say I have a funny accent. So mindleaps.org. All donations are tax deductible, of course. We're a 501c3 organization. Also, you can reach out, of course, to me directly, davis at mindleaps.org or our office phone number is 646-902-1295. And of course, even on TikTok, we are on all the social media platforms. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you so, so much for being with us. And I wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors. And you are definitely a dreamer who made your dream come true. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for being with us. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for the opportunity. Harmony Talk is a production of the Foundation for Harmony Presents. Talk to you next time. <laughs>